say for example when i was going through university and doing computer science we they, they had stopped teaching java in favor of uh teaching python which is again mm -hmm. a very another very flexible language it, it reads very much like english and i feel like i kind of missed I, I would have preferred, I think, having a more structured learning experience going through Java or C++ or something like that, that would have taught me object-oriented and then moved into more functional and flexible ways of doing things. I see your point, but I actually kind of disagree with you because I found that Python was like the perfect level of constraint with also being like flexible at the same time. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Stack Overflow podcast. We are so excited to have you today. My name is Cassidy, and I am accompanied here by my lovely co-hosts, Siora and Matt. Hi. Hello. I am very excited to talk to you both today about functional programming, because this is something that we've like lightly touched on kind of in previous episodes. And uh, I guess my first question to either of you, have you ever done it? <laughs> worked with functional programming <laughs> yes i have i think when i was working with functional programming i didn't realize it was functional programming but i have i think there's a lot of developers out there i didn't know yeah i was the same thing i, I rocked up with my first development job and they were like oh so we're doing functional programming i was like oh i thought that was just programming this is what we've been doing for so long <laughs> What languages did you use? For me, functional programming was done in JavaScript. Mm. And what about you, Matt? Same, same with me. It was all, it was all JavaScript based. I think this mainly because JavaScript is a very functional, programming friendly language, just in terms of it's written and its syntax and it's very um, declarative in in how you structure things. And it's all <clears throat> with React as well. Everything is very functional. You've got pure like React components, which are immutable and they always return the same thing. There's like a lot going yeah. on there that really lends itself to functional programming. I love that you both said JavaScript because I feel like <laughs> this would cause like a Twitter ratio galore of people arguing <laughs> if JavaScript can be functional or not. Because there there are the very pure languages like Elixir or Haskell or Scheme or Racket or Lisp. Because my first experience with that was was with those more like very pure languages. Mm. I was I did Racket and and Scheme for a while, which was it's basically just parentheses everywhere. Um, but you definitely can do functional programming programming in JavaScript. But I think because you also can do object oriented in JavaScript, and and there are elements of both in React and in in a lot of these other frameworks. It's fascinating to hear that that is your experience <laughs> with it because. Uh, yeah, I've I've seen so many arguments for and against. Some people might not know what functional programming is. Uh, so I, I want to address the definition really quick. It's functional programming. A lot of people call it like the mustachioed hipster of programming paradigms where uh, it's, <laughs> it's, it's very, very specific in, in its rules and stuff. And it, it provides abstraction through clever ways of combining functions. And so there, there's two specific things that you need to know to understand what functional programming is. And that is that functions are immutable and functions are stateless. And so in terms of functions are immutable, it means if you want to change data in an array, you just return a new array with the changes. You don't change the original array. 
so so things are completely immutable and and don't change the original and also functions are stateless and so they act as if for the first time every single time um, so your function should probably accept at least one argument. Um, they should either return data, which is, again, that new piece of data, or another function. And you probably don't have loops in said functions. And so anyway, immutable and stateless are what functional programming is. And once again, you can do this in JavaScript, but there's also languages for this, which we, we listed some already. There's also like Scala, which is kind of like Java, but much more functional and closure. And there's also Elm, which is, I think it compiles to JavaScript, but it's much Have more you learned uh, strictly all functional. A bit? I've dabbled. I was really into functional programming <laughs> still for a very while. Impressive. Oh, the, I also used to teach a functional programming in JavaScript workshop back in the day. So I, I, oh, cool. I am very into this topic. Um, but also at, in my current job, our entire backend is written in Elixir. So it's a fully functional programming backend, which is very interesting because with services that are made functionally, and there's, there's again, so many different languages with that, if it works at runtime or if it works at compile time and when you're building it, it will work in prod. It, it will work for your users because that's just by nature of it, functional programming doesn't have side effects. And that's where like, if, if you hear someone say, oh, well, React is kind of functional now with how it has moved to hooks. It kind of is, but there's still use effect. So there are side effects that can change mm. how, how those functions work. But anyway, that is that is high level what functional programming is for those who might be wondering. Yeah, I think for me, this is why I probably say that like I didn't realize I was doing functional programming because now looking back, I probably was really doing like a combination of the two. Um, mm -hmm. But I think um, I think I for me specifically, I took a course like a live like webinar course where the instructor was specifically like exclusively doing functional programming in JavaScript. But I'll say too. um I struggled a lot with learning JavaScript because it's such a flexible language and there are not there aren't that many constraints and there's so much you can do and I always felt like I kind of wish there were like more rules <laughs> if that makes sense mm -hmm. and like you mentioning the fact that you can do both and it's kind of a combination of both almost like all the time is one of the, like a good example of how flexible JavaScript can be and I, I kind of found that annoying <laughs> I, I found the same. It was JavaScript doesn't really punish you at all. You can kind of just do what you want. And I found that from a learning perspective, say, for example, when I was going to university and doing computer science, we they, they had stopped teaching Java in favor of uh, teaching Python, which is, again, mm -hmm. a very another very flexible language. It, it reads very much like English. And I feel like I kind of missed... I would have preferred, I think, having a more structured learning experience going through Java or C++ or something like that, that would have taught me object-oriented and then moved into more functional and flexible ways of doing things. I see your point, but I actually kind of disagree with you because I found that Python was like the perfect level of constraint with also being like flexible at the same time. Because for me... Or maybe it, maybe it was the learning content that I was consuming that taught me Python that had a, a lot of like standards and like this is how we do things and this is how it's supposed to be. And I found that to be like 
things really clicked for me with coding when I learned Python. I gave mm. up so many times when I was learning JavaScript because I just didn't understand what's going on. And like I said, the amount like the amount of freedom you have for me was like, I need some guardrails, like I need some direction. But I found that Python that I kind of consider Python like my first official like coding language that I learned because like I said, I like picked up JavaScript, dropped JavaScript and like did that like on and off thing for a really long time. But um, Python was the first coding language that I started learning. I learned object-oriented programming with that. And it really clicked for me. So I really, Python is like, has a special place in my heart for that reason. Nice. I do have a question, Cassidy. Yes, please. So coming from the JavaScript land of things, and then you're talking about all these other languages like Alexa and Haskell, and what is the difference between a language like JavaScript, for instance, versus something like Haskell or Elixir, which is much more functional friendly? Like, what is the difference there in terms of like what the language offers and syntax or whatever it might be that makes it much more catered towards functional programming? Right. So something that JavaScript allows you to do, for example, is make classes. So like you could have, for example, a student class that has a constructor and and like the student can have a get GPA function and and you can have like a change GPA where you pass in the current GPA and, and change the GPA, something like that. And you could create a new student object being like let mat equal new student and pass in variables or something like that. And then as you do that, you can say, oh, I want to loop through an array of new students and then change each of their GPAs one by one. That That is something that you can do in JavaScript. Also available in JavaScript, but the way that you would do it in these other languages is instead of creating this object with these functionalities built in, you would just have an array where it's like, okay, let students equal and then an array of these objects where it's like, or, or we could probably say arrays or something where it's like Ciora GPA 3.9, Cassidy GPA 2, something like that. Uh, I did better in school than that, I promise. Um, and then if you want to have your array of students with changed GPAs, if you want to, let's just say I actually got an A in a class for once and Ciora suddenly got a B, oh no. If you want to change the GPAs, you would run like a map function over that and you would have a new array of students with their GPAs. It doesn't update the previous one. And so there's no there's no state that is shared across things. It's It just works that one time every single time. And it's very um, recursive. It's, it's, you, you rely on, on recursion a lot and uh, you return like, you can return a function that returns an argument or you could just return um, a, a certain result, but you never like change something. That's what the immutability factor is. So you are you just saying that these languages they they kind of remove your ability to create classes and focus much right. more on that immutable uh, function composed side of things? Like it just exactly. doesn't allow for that. Okay. So cool. JavaScript right. isn't really purely functional. Like it is at the not. End of the day. Yeah. No, yeah. it isn't. And what's cool about this style though is because it's all functions and layers of functions and functions calling functions and stuff is it's incredibly modular. Because if let's just say you want to debug something, if you have to deal with state and and stepping through a bunch of different pieces of code, um, it, it can get kind of messy with object oriented because you're trying to say, okay, well, 
we know that at the end of the day, the student ends up with this GPA. We need to figure out where exactly that happened. We need to say, okay, was it when we called this function here or this function there? Or, or when did the object change here? But with functional programming, because it's so modular, you know exactly which function was called and you know exactly which function changed what and which function returned X, Y, or Z. And so it's, it's a very, uh, it's, that's why a lot of people call it pure because there's there's no things that could change what what is actually being returned except for what you define to be changing things if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have a question for you both. What do you enjoy more, object-oriented programming or functional programming? I feel like I know your answer already, Cassidy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I love I love functional programming. I just I think it's so interesting because it's so yeah. weird. <laughs> like, I honestly, I'm probably more comfortable with object oriented purely mm. out of practice and yeah. everything. And and again, my my, I I didn't actually answer before. I my first language was Java, and then I went um from Java to C plus plus, and then eventually learned Python and stuff. But then when I did start learning functional programming, I was like, oh, that's amazing. This is this, it's so clean. This is this is how it should be. Um, but it's. It's not for everyone because it's a complete mind shift. I find value in both, I think. And it's yeah. just coming from kind of like the enterprise JavaScript world where, you know, you do have everything is kind of, we've, we've moved away from creating classes for everything now to more kind of like React components, which are supposedly, supposedly functional. I've got air quotes here where, you know, there is... <laughs> <laughs> for for things that for the same inputs into a function they should give the same results back and you've got object assign and your all the stuff with state is kind of funneled into a more functional paradigm but i i want to start exploring other areas like game development for instance is very much mm. object orientated and mm. so for me who's who's not done object oriented programming at like a professional level or is too familiar with it i want to jump into that so i can get you know be able to talk to this with a little bit more um experience but i do the one thing i really do like about functional programming is that it is modular it's way easier to test and it's it's a i find it reads better in my mind because i understand exactly what each kind of small snippet of code is doing and it helps me compose things better so i'm I'm gonna do the cop-out answer and say 50 50 <laughs> oh that's interesting that's interesting i'll say for myself i think i dislike both equally <laughs> because um i i i think naturally i gravitate towards functional programming just because i have to do some mental gymnastics to get into the object oriented programming like mindset of like classes and stuff like that like when i was first um when i was first starting to learn how to code i like dabbled in a quite a few different languages and most of them I like I said I did a little bit of JavaScript on and off I never got to the point where like it was really like you're learning functional programming or you're learning object-oriented programming so I didn't really know what was going on mm. um and then I learned at one point in time I learned Swift <laughs> believe it or not that's object-oriented I believe yeah I'm pretty sure it is that was years ago though. yeah I think oh. there are elements of Swift that are functional but yeah it's mostly object oriented yeah because I do remember having to deal with like the classes and all that kind of stuff um didn't enjoy that at all like I, I didn't like that <laughs> but when I learned <laughs> Python I was doing some object oriented programming with that and that that wasn't completely terrible um but now I have been on a quest to like improve 
my front end skills like as like a recreational like not too serious kind of thing since I'm realizing I really fall more onto the back end side of things so I was like let me kind of beef up beef up my front end skills and I was taking a course and they introduced object oriented programming in JavaScript and I didn't like it (laughs) (laughs) I just didn't enjoy it like I think for me although I I'm realizing now that JavaScript has elements of both functional and object-oriented programming. I don't really like when JavaScript is like leaning towards the object-oriented side of things. I can't really Mm. explain why, but it just didn't mesh well with my brain is what I'll say. That's literally, I didn't didn't like the vibe. Like I just didn't, I wasn't (laughs) feeling it. That's, that's the, that's like my, my reasoning for every, everything with coding that I don't like. It's like, I don't have like a, concrete reason until like I talk to people who like really know what's going on Mm. to me it's just like the vibe was off I just didn't like it (laughs) (laughs) I mean in in a way that's a that's a big reason why I'm not deep into TypeScript land Mm. um because because TypeScript don't get me wrong it it has a large fan base for a reason and and the little I've touched it I've been just like oh dang yeah I, I understand the value of it so full full disclosure there especially when I was a Java developer, and then tried TypeScript, I was just like, oh, mm. I could use this language that I'm comfortable with, but on the internet, great, and, <laughs> and, and started dabbling with it. So, so I do get the value of that. But there is a verbosity in object-oriented programming, yeah. not, not just in, in these languages, because I know like Python, for example, is, is a much shorter language. So I'm not talking about like long variable names or, or needing lots of brackets, but in ensuring that objects are constructed correct, correctly and like inheritance is set up well and and all of the different aspects of like polymorphism so that way you can kind of shapeshift objects to adapt to certain classes like there there are elements of that that i think are very powerful and that is why object oriented languages and and that paradigm is is so popular but Anyway, I, I like the idea of composition more than inheritance, and that's that is more of an element that's that's in uh, functional programming where you can kind of compose different components, functions, things together, and that that's something where I think React uh, does that pretty well as a library. See what I mean? Like you just explained the vibe. Like honestly, <laughs> I'm realizing that I am a very lazy developer. I want to mm. get started and make something quick and easily. And for me, naturally, I if I'm like gonna I'm gonna build like a little JavaScript little doodad <laughs> program really quickly. My first inclination is not to do object oriented programming. Because yeah. like I said, it to me like it to to come up with that like the structure of the program and all that kind of stuff to me takes a lot of thought process and I don't feel like doing all that. So that's why I kind of gravitate toward functional programming first um, because I feel like it's just my, I don't know, it's just easier for me to like get up and running quickly. Um, And I don't know if that's because of that's how functional programming is inherently or just because I understand it a little bit better than object oriented programming. But you also like bring up a really good point about um, TypeScript is that I want to try out TypeScript because I think a lot of the gripes I have with JavaScript about it being too flexible could be solved mm. with TypeScript because of the types yeah. and stuff like that. Has that been true in your experience with it? 
Yes. I mean, TypeScript enables types, which at first you're just like, oh, so instead of let this string equal whatever, it's it's a string that equals whatever. But it does be, it is much more strict. And as a result, the debugger is, is really, really powerful for it. That was yeah. that was a major pain in the bum thing that we had integrating TypeScript into all of our projects was we spent so much time fighting linting errors and all this kind of like extraneous stuff that is there to to help us work faster in the long run, like getting rid of prop types for React components mm. and just having everything TypeScript do that for us. That was amazing. But just when you're kind of like trying to hack together something, and if you're not, if you haven't spent the time to really learn and like respect the TypeScript rules, you're just going to end up fighting a lot of hurdles and smacking your head <laughs> against the desk um, from time to time. But it did. I re I enjoy working with TypeScript projects more now than i do with like the older javascript ones yeah okay that's good to know i think i, I think i really want to try it out because me and javascript have this love hate relationship <laughs> <laughs> like i think it's really cool and i think people do really great things with javascript but it just i don't know we don't get along and i feel like typescript would work out a lot better for me so i i'm i think i'm going to try that and maybe next podcast i'll update you all and how that went for me. <laughs> There's also a concept that I think might interest you a lot, uh, Ciara, and that's that's currying. Have either of you heard of the mm. concept of currying? I have. Yeah. Do I know what it is? No. Oh, cool. <laughs> Great. Well, I'll, I'll, a quick definition is basically when uh, currying is when you break down a function that takes in multiple arguments into a series of functions that take just a part of the arguments. Mm. And so it's kind of like what you say where, where if things get kind of gross and big and shapeshifty, it can be hard to maintain. In functional programming, you're encouraged to curry things and make a lot of things that do one thing really well and mm. then combine them. And so if you break down a function, like let's just say you want to add two numbers together, you technically could do like a function that takes in one number, takes in another, a different function that takes in another number, and then another function that takes in the add function, and then a function that combines all of those together to just add something, which when I say it like that, it sounds like, why wouldn't you just do <laughs> return A plus B or whatever? But the for more complex things, for more verbose things, it's it's basically writing really small functions that do one thing well and then combining them together. See, and that that's that's what it is. I just realized hearing you describe that, I feel like object oriented is very big picture. Like if that makes sense. Meanwhile, if I'm like while I'm programming and I'm using functional programming, I don't have to think too hard about how things are really going to end up. I'll think I need a function that do, does this and then I'll just make that function. And then later on, I'll probably implement that function in another function like that instead of like having a big class that just does a thing. And I have to think really hard about what that, how it's going to carry out the thing that needs to be done. I, am I communicating that well? Is that like coming yeah. across yeah, well? No, the, that's it, it makes sense. It. Yeah. You've actually hit a nail on the head there. So I was reading, reading an article by Eric Elliott a, a little earlier on today. And he was talking about the imperative versus the declarative nature of uh, functional programming. And it was pretty much exactly what you've just said, where a lot of object-oriented stuff is very imperative in the sense that a lot of the things you write as an object-oriented program programmer is very statement-based. You're saying, this is mm -hmm. going to do this, this is going to do this, and you're writing the kind of like execution, whereas the declarative uh, style of functional programming is 
a lot of the stuff that you do is you ex you express it, I guess, in a sense. You're using utility functions like map or reduce or uh, things of that nature, where you're you're using expressions to kind of like evaluate what you're doing. So it's a lot more readable instead of, say, for example, um, you've got an array and you need to manipulate um, or change items in the array, or you've got an object and uh, array of objects, all that kind of stuff. Um, you can just write a simple map function which says, "I'm going to change." Say, for example, you've got, um, you want to add one to a list of test scores for students, for example. You can just write a map function, which will go through. Uh, you do person.testScore plus one, and it'll do that for you without you having to worry about the looping or the iterations or anything else that's just all tidied up into a single line of stuff, which is a lot more friendly than having to go and, yeah, do, do all the other stuff around the object-oriented nature of things. Yeah. A really good example of that too is like jQuery versus React, where jQuery mm. is very imperative driven, where let's just say I have a counter on the page and I want to increase the value of the counter. With jQuery, I get the element for the counter. I get the value in the counter. I parse that. Then I increase the number. Then I repaint the DOM and, and put the new count on the page and, and that. And so it's a lot of like trying to find the thing, then changing it, and then trying to change it on the page. Meanwhile, with React, if you want to change something in the counter, you call the function hmm. increase count. And it and it just it has the virtual DOM that that changes it on the page. And that, that's really the difference where I don't care how it's done as long as it is done. It's also a, a real world example is if you're driving in a car, if you have one of those older cars where you have like a temperature knob, you could say, okay, well, I generally am feeling kind of warm. So I'm going to turn the knob lower to cooler. Oh, I'm starting to get hot. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to change it or, or whatever. You, you, you slowly adjust the temperature to what you want. Meanwhile, in the more modern cars, you could say, I want my car to be at 65 degrees Fahrenheit. You set that, you forget it. And, and if you want it to be hotter, you just say the temperature. And so there's no adjustment because you get the exact temperature you want. That's the difference between uh, imperative versus declarative. It's how you get there and manipulating things as you go and just declarative saying, this is what I want. This is what I want to be done. I'm really not sure whether or not being called the JavaScript of cars is a compliment or not <laughs> at this stage. <laughs> All right. Well, let's do a lifeboat before we sign off for the day. A lifeboat badge is an answer score of 20 or more to a question score of negative three or less that goes on to receive a score of three or more. So it's someone saving a question from obscurity with this answer. And the uh, award went to M-M, who answered the question, find the area of an N-interesting polygon. Kind of an interesting one. That being said, thank you so much for hanging out with us functionally, object-orientedly, <laughs> whatever whatever your preference. We love chatting with you. I've been Cassidy Williams. I am Head of Developer Experience and Education at Remote. You can find me at Cassidy, C-A-S-S-I-D-O-O, -S -S on most things. I'm Sierra Ford. I'm a developer advocate at Apollo GraphQL. You can find me on Twitter. My username there is at Sierra, that's C-E-E-O-R-E-O -E -E underscore. And I'm Matt Kiananda. I'm a technical advocate here at Stack Overflow. You can find me on Twitter at Matt Kander, which is M-A-T-T-K-A-N-D-E-R. See you later. Bye. Bye.